0: Hello, my name is Chip Woods, Um, uh, I'm really excited to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to to come talk to you all. Before we jump into leadership skills in industry and ministry, I wanted to give a little bit of a synopsis of what we're going to talk about today. Um, Again, this is um, a picture of Artemis 1 flight. It was an uncrewed mission. Uh, It was uh, really testing out NASA's new vehicle to take people to, to space. This went further than any uh, human space-rated vehicle um, has ever traveled before, uh, and like I said, that was in uh, in November and and uh, December. Um, so I work to so have some stories and from a leadership perspective, from a human spaceflight uh, standpoint, uh, that I'm going to share with you today. I found uh, I find leadership to be a really interesting topic. Uh, it's complex. Um, it's not easy to do. It's amazing to me how a good leader. Um, can make all the difference in the world and uh, how a poor leader can be so disruptive uh, to, uh, to what uh, the team is trying to accomplish. I don't claim to be an expert in, in leadership. Um, I believe that people can improve on their leadership skills and that very few of us are really natural born leaders. Uh, it takes time and it takes effort uh, the intent of my today's uh, presentation is to share my experiences on leadership from an uh, industry standpoint and ministry, uh, trying to compare those. I think there is a lot of overlap that we can take away from our vocations and uh, and into, uh, uh, into ministry. Uh, and I'm really hoping that this will be an interactive session. Uh, feel free to raise your hand if you have questions. Um, if you want to add something to the slide, uh, I think that, uh, that, that's great trying to learn from you all as well. Um, <clears throat> so uh, um, like I said, I hope it's an interactive kind of a thing. Um, so in summary, uh, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. Um, I'm, I'm not a pastor. And I'm not even an expert on leadership. So if you're wondering why did I sign up for this? <laughs> we're probably in a good place to start. So this is what we will uh, follow. Again, a little bit of introduction on myself. We'll focus on leadership. Um, There is a couple spots up here if you guys wanna wanna sit, or if you're fine back there, that's good too. Um, uh, We're gonna focus on leadership and really, again, kind of compare and contrast industry, things we see in industry and what we see in ministry and the overlap there in these three areas, setting the vision and influencing others, uh, a servant attitude and empowering decision-making. And again, we're going to leave uh, a question, time for questions uh, at the end here. I, I always love this picture. I think it's a very interesting uh, picture. Uh, it's a picture taken from the International Space Station. Uh, so you can see the orbiter there, Endeavour. So this was part of the space shuttle program and uh, the Earth. The International Space Station, or what NASA calls ISS, actually is on the top here. It's above us in this picture. Um, uh, what, what you see is the, uh, this is the crew cabin area. This is where the crew uh, will, will sit and, uh, and live when they're in space. Um, interesting, these two windows at the top, when the orbiter approaches the International Space Station, what happens is the pilot or the commander actually stands up at the back of the crew chamber uh, and he's actually looking up at these, through these two windows and that's how he sees the International Space Station. Um, He puts his feet into stirrups so he doesn't float away and he grabs one hand controller and using instruments and visual sight uh, he um, uh, docks with the International Space Station so that's that's how that is conducted. Um, When they want to go this structure coming down from the top of the page that's actually part of the International Space Station. Um, When astronauts want to go into the International Space Station they go out the back uh, into the cargo bay and up this tunnel uh, to the uh, to the space station so interesting um, uh, view I think it's a really interesting picture but to me it's not the most interesting thing um, to me the most interesting thing on this picture is this blue line that that blue line separates life that we know on earth and in darkness uh, and and a really cold uh, I- environment um, it's, it's the reason that we have water in our lakes, that we have water in our oceans, is because of that blue line. That blue line is just such a blessing to us. It's the reason we have air to breathe. Without that blue line, the water evaporates very quickly. Air doesn't stay here. It's hard for us to breathe. Plants, animals, the clouds that are formed and provide rain and snow, uh, all that disappears. If, if that blue line is not there. It is incredibly hard to build a spacecraft or a satellite or anything to operate on the right side of that blue line. Out in that environment, it's super hard, much less to survive and to live outside of that blue line. And as engineers and as scientists, we we, we, we use things and concepts and like Newton's laws, physics, those kinds of things to help us define the the world that God has given us. And it helps us wrap our mere brains around what that is. But we can't, we don't know why that is. We don't know why that line's there. We we didn't put it there. Why does it stay there? We build really big telescopes to look deep into outer space. We've even launched a couple of these telescopes because they they didn't want to look through that blue line. I want a clear path. So let's put a telescope in space and let's look way, way out there. Seen a lot of planets, seen a lot of universes, a lot of galaxies, never seen that. Ne- never seen that, that blue line. God is so good to us and it is such a blessing to us. I talked to um, a couple of astronauts that have been in space and I said, hey, what, what's it like to, to, to be in space? And one of them said this, said it this way, <clears throat> The sun is, is so dominant, the sun in our solar system, and we are so close to it that you, you can't look out into space and see any detail. The sun is always shining. It doesn't take a day off. It's not, there's not nighttime, right? That, that light is always on, and so you can't really see out in, into space. He said the only time you can really see what, what he would call the night sky is when the sun and the earth... And you are on an alignment, so you're in the shadow of the of the Earth. At that point, you can now look out and see and see the night sky. And he said, it's not like like seeing the night sky on Earth. When, when we stand on Earth and we look up through that blue line, the light that's coming from the stars they hit that blue line, and so it's kind of displayed on a, on a picture for us from horizon to horizon. All you see is these stars. And when that light hits that blue line, it actually bends and it refracts. And so when we see that, it actually is kind of, those stars are fuzzy. And, it, and they, they give the impression of twinkling. They kind of twinkle. And I don't know about you, but I, I love looking at the night sky. It's very peaceful. It's very soothing. It's comforting to me to look at that night sky. He said, in space, it's not that way at all. He said, in the shadow of the earth, when you look out of that night sky, it is the blackest black that, that you have seen. And he said, the only light is, it's this penetrating points of light. It's like thousands of points of light coming at you. And he said, it, it's, it's not comforting, it's not soothing. It's actually very eerie to be in space on the right side of that line and to look out. He said, it's, it's not, a, not a comforting feeling. So just a very interesting picture. It, it just convinces me we are the crown jewel of his creation. He gives us things that we just don't even know. We take for granted, and, and they're so special and make such a difference in, in our lives. Um, it's just uh, uh, tremendous. So that was slide three. <laughs> yes, question in the back. Is so that just the atmosphere? What you're seeing there is—is um, is, that just what the? Uh, I would call it, it's really the atmosphere. It's that it's that um, that lining um, that is around the Earth. It's about I don't know fifty miles up or so, uh, 25, thirty. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but but it's it's a, a thin blue line, and and like when spacecraft re-enter and they have to go through that blue line, very difficult to do, very difficult process to do. When uh, meteorites, uh, asteroids hit that blue line, they break up. Right? And so the, just the protection and all that does for us, it's amazing. Yes? In that
1: Trump's you've got 50% of the world's air at only five kilometers above
0: the surface. There you far. go, thank you. So I mean, thinking about that. Now, yeah. Once you get past that climb mountain, you're at you're,
1: uh, Colorado's got mountains,
0: right? <laughs> they do. 14,000 feet? Not a lot of air up there. <laughs> because you're past that line and you're you're grasping for it that's right middle, But fifty percent of our atmosphere is in that first five kilometers. Yeah. And maybe here runs five K once in a while. Right. And that's a long time. Right. It, I mean it's it's really this it, you, you can see it, right? It's it's that blue line, you can see it. Um you can't see it looking up, right? It's, it, it doesn't seem like it's there. But 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 in this picture you, you can see it and I think that's uh that's the cool thing. All right, a little bit of background on me. I won't spend too much time here. I am from Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Um, uh, our ministry there, uh, really Christian education, has been a, a big part uh, of that uh, ministry. Uh, we operate an elementary school from preschool to eighth grade. Uh, we have five teachers there, call workers, and one pastor. We typically get a vicar. Um, we have right around 350 communicant members, 70 students. We just passed a year or two ago, uh, 50th anniversary uh, for our ministry there. So it's been there a a while. From a leadership standpoint, um, I've been involved. uh, I've been president for a couple terms there, about eight years um, doing that. I've been the treasurer. I'm currently the the vice president. Um, I also uh, serve on the Synodical Council. I am the uh, Nebraska District Lay Delegate. uh, So I get to participate on the Synodical Council. uh, So I really enjoy my my, um, my time at uh, you know, serving in these capacities. From my vocation standpoint, uh, about 30 plus years in the aerospace industry, uh, those top two uh, pictures are me actually in the orbiter uh, of the shuttle. Uh, I got into human space flight uh, probably the majority of my career about 15, 16 years ago have been in human space flight. Right about the time the shuttle was ramping down uh, NASA was signaling that they were going to retire the shuttle. They wanted a new vehicle. Um, that's really kind of when I, I got involved in human spaceflight. Uh, that new vehicle was Orion, um, and uh, they held a competition for that. Uh, Lockheed Martin was competing with, competing with Boeing and Northrop Grumman. Uh, out of those three, Lockheed Martin was the long shot. Um, really didn't have the expertise or the experience. Uh, and actually, Boeing and Northrop teamed up, and kind of isolated uh, Lockheed. Uh, um, but uh, as it came out, it was about an 18-24 month process, um, really trying to all the contractors work with NASA to convince, hey, we were the 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 one uh, that they should select. We had a, a competition, and uh, and lo and behold, Lockheed Martin won. Uh, so that majority of my career has been on that program. We went from 50 people that worked that proposal for those two years uh, to about 2,000. Um, We peaked a couple of years ago, about 2,000 people on that project. I've held various uh, leadership positions in that program. Uh, The uh, main focus of mine was the reason they did this, this new program is they wanted a safer vehicle to take humans to space. They wanted to go to deep space instead of low earth orbit. Uh, They wanted a more reliable vehicle and a more affordable vehicle. My role has always been on the affordability side. My team works with the engineering technical community as well as the, the business. We're kind of the go-between those, those two organizations focused on affordability. So that is me. All right. We'll get into it a little bit here. Um, what is leadership? Trying to answer this question. Um, and simply put, leadership is communicating a vision uh, and having the ability to influence others. So. 10, 15 years ago when books, industry books talked about leadership, it was really, uh, really focused on you have a position of authority, you, you give direction and you know, employees will comply with the requirements and the things that I say we should be doing. That, that really doesn't work well. Um, uh, the, the books these days really talk more about influencing and that there are things that need to be in place for a leader to be successful in influencing uh, people. And so we'll compare this from a um, industry and, and ministry standpoint. But it's this influence model. There are several things in the influence model. I've chosen to talk about just three of them. Uh, so this is an in industry and in ministry. Respect and loyalty. If you respect and have loyalty for that that, uh, that leader, it's much easier for people to... If, if you have respect to, to follow that, that leader. If you have a belief in value that what I am doing has value, um, much easier for you to follow that leader if that's in place versus if I don't believe I have any value here, you're not going to follow that leader, right? Uh, or people will not follow that leader. And then belief in achievability. This is what you're working on and what that company is producing. Do you believe... Um, that that, that's achievable um, uh, and and that's really gonna happen. Um, Very difficult to work in something that that you really don't believe is the end goal is is achievable. So again, this is a precursor, we'll we'll get into each one of these. So the first one up is uh, respect and loyalty. One of the best um, leaders that I've ever been associated with is a man named uh, Cleon Lacefield. Um, and yeah, that was his name, Cleon. Um, he was the uh, flight director at, uh, at NASA. He split his career between working at NASA and uh, working at Lockheed Martin. Um, not sure if you know what a flight director is. The way NASA is organized is he's the guy that gets all the information. If there is an issue on the flight during the mission, all that information comes to him. And if there's a decision that needs to be made, he's the one that makes that decision. If you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13, um, the guy in Houston in the white vest, Gene Krantz, uh, played by Ed Harris. Uh, Gene famously said, failure is not an option. That guy is the, is the flight director. Uh, so fast forward to 1985, Cleon Lacefield is the flight director for a shuttle mission uh, over here. Uh, again, the, the way NASA is organized Kennedy Space Center does launch operations. So what what in Florida, Kennedy Space Center, they they get this orange tank. The two white rockets on the side, they put those things together. Uh, This white plane thing called the orbiter, they attach that to the orange tank. They roll that whole contraption out to a launch pad. They'll fuel it uh, with fuel, the orange tank, and they'll launch it. So they own launch operations. As soon as it lifts off. The responsibility uh, and the managing of that vehicle transfers to Johnson Space Center. Johnson Space Center is in, in Houston. And in this case, 1985, Cleon-Laceville. The shuttle, the orbiter was the uh, uh, actually the Challenger. Um, and about five minutes into the flight, the engine, one of these engines, there's three engines down here at the bottom of the orbiter, um, uh, they launched at liftoff as well. One of those engines stopped. Uh, So right then and there, NASA's in an emergency situation or what they would call an abort situation. So for shuttle, two abort scenarios. One is you can actually separate, have the orbiter separate from that orange tank, which really means, okay, I've dropped my fuel tank um, and I'm going to glide back to Earth and I'm going to try to find the country of Spain and land in an airstrip in Spain. That was the abort uh, landing strip. Uh, very risky actually never been done uh, the other scenario is try to abort to orbit um, you still have your fuel tank um, those engines are still you know working maybe not nominally but they're still working a nominal mission those tanks uh, those engines fire for eight and a half minutes so five minutes into the into the uh, mission that that engine fails Cleon lacefield starts asking questions and he starts getting information Are there other failures that are happening? How is the computers on board? They were fine. The guidance and navigation and control. How was the communications? All these systems, are they still operating? The other two engines, do they still have engine pressure and are they functioning correctly? Yes, they are. He gives the order to abort to orbit, which really just says, I'm going to burn those engines as long as it takes, as long as I still have fuel to try to get to orbit. Well, the the short version is they get to orbit, uh, they save seven astronauts' lives, they save the vehicle. Um, It was the complete right call. So when a guy like that walks into NASA or he walks into a meeting at Lockheed Martin, just based off of his experiences, right? he's a man that has has respect. And I would say in in our ministry, you could also gain respect from training and education. I, I just love our, our Wells process and the, the value and the emphasis we put on training and education. Um, we know as lay leaders, as lay members, brothers and sisters in Christ, that when a, a pastor shows up at our, at our door, that pastor has been through Martin Luther College, tons of training, has been to a seminary, has had a vicar year. He, he has had tremendous amount of training and experiences and so there's instant respect. When we do our calls and a pastor shows up, or any call worker, there's instant respect. And, and, and I just love the term, after a few years and you get to know that pastor, he's my pastor. He's my pastor. The loyalty and the respect that those two words say is, is right, from a spiritual leader standpoint, you're gonna follow that guy. So th- those things, belief and respect, are super important. When you're trying to lead. How about us lay mere mortals? <laughs> I've never saved seven astronauts. I've never saved somebody's soul on a daily basis, like our pastor and our uh and, and these other leaders have done. How do lay leaders, men and women, gain respect in in, in the church? Really turn to uh first Timothy chapter three, verse one of uh one through four. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner of full respect." This is what it takes for a lay leader to gain respect. And the bar is high. Not everyone can can be a lay leader. But practically speaking, it starts with strengthening our faith, understanding God's word, regular attendance at church and at Bible classes and studies, having that humble and contrite heart. This is how we gain respect as a lay leader and lay women let's get into belief in value I'll touch a little bit on this from an industry perspective Um, it's really um, is this a worthwhile activity so from an individual standpoint an individual standpoint God's given me gifts and skills and am I if I'm using those is there satisfaction there uh, that I can see yes I'm bringing value uh, to this I think that that is and it could even be your wage for the effort that I'm doing the amount of money I get there's value there, if there is value there, then you are much more likely to follow that that lead. Um, It can be belief in value from a company perspective, that I I believe that the value that the company is doing and the product and services that they are providing, that that's valuable as well. It's not company profits, right? It's not, if a company is focused on that that is the value that, that they bring, very difficult for people to follow that right i know at lockheed martin it's been um uh we 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 are really focused on more the mission when leaders talk at lockheed martin air force the navy the uh, nasa they they all have hard problems that we try to solve for them and it's about the mission what is that mission yes lockheed martin makes money yes money is important for companies to survive I, i i get that but from a leadership standpoint you know, really want to focus on the mission and not necessarily the, the money, unless you're the chief financial officer or something. <laughs> <laughs> Will it serve a purpose that I believe in? Um, uh, you know, it's really, it may take some education to align employees to see what that, how they fit in the bigger picture of this and and, and how their work does contribute to the end game. Um, that can really strengthen that belief and value as well from an industry standpoint. From a ministry standpoint, this one, you know, is much easier for us. What is the value that we are working on? I mean, it goes back to the Great Commission, providing the gospel to the faithful, pursuing the strain, reaching the lost. That's what we're doing. That's what, what our efforts are, 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 are working on. We can clearly see value in that. I think from a value standpoint, ministry side of the equation, much easier for us to, to do this. Uh, will it serve the purpose that I believe in or has value? Spreading the word of God is what our ministries are about. Yes, that has value. Much easier for us to, to, to get all in. People are excited about this, right? People are motivated to do this. Um, this is um, uh, much easier. Belief in achievability. Is this achievable? So from an industry standpoint, um, you know my individual efforts and, and the, the work that I'm doing on my vocation i want to be successful i want to be able to um, you know achieve that that end goal um, so i think if, if from an industry standpoint as as you uh, worked in your vocations and if you can see that end goal i think that's much um, you know uh, easier to to be led uh, from that standpoint on the ministry side this one uh, we have to be a little bit care- careful on it's really Um, focusing on the things that we can control Um, what is what is our actions what are our hearts our individual efforts how to serve in our ministry these are the things that that we can control we want to make sure we want to leave God and to be God and not focus on how many people are show up on Sunday at, at church how you know what is our financial situation for the new building project right that's not what we're trying to achieve We're really trying to focus on what what is our efforts and align them with our ministry and to serve people with the word of God. So the achievability one is is a little bit different from a ministry standpoint. All right, servant attitude. Um, And we talked about this uh, in the the, uh, sessions yesterday, but uh, key principles from industry and ministry when we talk about a servant attitude, uh, some of these, there are many others, and I just highlighted five here. Putting other needs first, being humble, and practicing gratitude. Do not ask others to do something you are not willing to do. Assume good intent, and look for the good in others, and find the weakness in yourself. These principles actually come from a, uh, a book that's out in industry. It's a bestseller. Uh, it's called Love as a Business Strategy. It's by Muhammad Anwar. Um, and, and we'll talk about this more on the, uh, on the next slide. Um, but, but it's really these, having that servant attitude can be such a blessing to industry as well as ministry. Uh, it really helps people, empowers people to think through issues. It helps them to gain a deeper understanding um, uh, of, of, of what's, what's really going on there and then leads them uh, uh, to create, to, to more creative solutions. Uh, it's really getting to a stronger workforce and a more lay-led ministry, and we'll talk, talk more about that coming up. Um, interesting, I had a leader uh, of mine tell me one time that uh, he never wanted to say no to, to an employee. So even if an employee came to him and said, hey, I, w- I wanna do this, or what do you think about this? He would never use the word no. What he would do, he would engage in that employee and start asking questions. Why do you think that's a good idea? Is, have you ever thought about it this way? Really challenge that person to go back and, and think through that whole process entirety. Gain a deeper understanding of the issues and the problems. Maybe reframing that, look at it from a different perspective or a different angle. Um, uh, the only way that employee is going to grow and, and, and get better and, and, and have a bigger, bigger thought process of, of what's really going on um, than maybe what their, their niche is, is for them to go do that hard work, to put in that uh, effort to go do that. You help them grow. If you say no, right you're going to stop the opportunity. You're going to take that opportunity away for them to grow. So uh, I thought that was just an interesting comment and, and it kind of tied into um, uh, the servant leader. Um, so let's talk a little bit about industry. Uh, in industry, uh, the ability to serve others, it, it does not come naturally. It's kind of a new concept. Um, it's its not mainstream, for sure. I have come across leaders that do practice a uh, servant leadership style, and, and I think it's been very, very effective. Um, It's a never-ending process. In that way, it's aligned to culture in that it's not something that you're gonna do once and and forget about. Um, It's gonna be an ongoing effort. It's gonna take time, uh, and it's not gonna be easy, right? There are gonna be good days, and there are gonna be bad days um, in in trying to implement this. But I think the the biggest benefit we get is, it's, it's that thought process and the view of yourself as a servant Uh, just that alone is is so powerful that when you think about your job and your vocation and what you do and trying to think about how to serve others uh is 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 really powerful and some of the key things that we talked about on the next slide putting other needs first uh, being humble and practicing gratitude um even good leaders uh make mistakes um Let's see. Um, uh, even good leaders make make mistakes, um, uh, and and to be able to recognize the efforts of others. Um, you know, we don't want to be focused on on the the outcome and the end game all the time, right? Did we hit our numbers for the quarter? Uh, how many widgets did we produce today? Um, it really takes away. The effort from the employee just to get the job done, the long hours that they're putting in, the overtime, the time away from from family, uh, those things you want to be concerned about as well from from a leadership standpoint and and uh, leading industry, and just that genuine concern for for the employee. One of the neatest exper- experiences I've ever been involved in was the uh, we were designing the spacecraft for Orion and uh, we're going through a lot of testing and development, testing, you get a lot of failures. Uh, and so occasionally we would have astronauts that would come to our meetings and participate. And if you've ever been uh, involved with an astronaut, highly intelligent people, uh, highly motivated and there is no uh, question or problem that is too small for, for them to discuss. Uh, So we would have very long meetings with them but it was always amazing to me that at the end of those meetings They they would thank the you know the leadership within Lockheed But they would go out of their way and go talk to the person sitting in the back of the conference room Um, They would walk the halls Uh, They would go into individual contributors uh, cubicles And they would sit down and ask them how things are going They, They really took a genuine concern about Uh, what the employee was going through and they thanked the employee thank you for this hard work that you're doing thank you for you know sacrifices on the family side and 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 just thank you for what you're doing it was just so powerful uh, from a you know morale and motivational standpoint that an astronaut would take that time to thank individuals uh, was was really neat neat experience um, servant attitude on the, on the ministry side, um, you know, we, 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 get this, right? We, we, st- we understand what it means to be a servant. Um, and, and we have a great example, right? What better leader to have ever walked the earth than, than Christ himself. And, and he set that example. Uh, let me just read, uh, Philippians chapter two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. If your relationship with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being a very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross uh, just just a great example and, and I don't believe any of us would argue that when a lay leader puts the needs of others first and is humble and is gracious that that is a strong leader with, within our ministry Not only does he have the love for the Savior, but he has love for others as well, and they practice it. This takes time and effort to work with the members and our ministry and to understand what are those things that is restricting us or holding us back from carrying out our ministry. Only then can leaders understand and be able to break down the barriers, provide the training and the education for us all to carry out this important work. All right, empowering decision making. <clears throat> um, I, I think this is really important. It can be very valuable not only to industry but, but into uh ministry. And it's really in improving the process of how a decision is made. Um, we want to empower people to make decisions. And resist the urge to form a committee people make decisions committees don't make decisions I see this in industry and I see this in ministry we need to empower people to make decisions at where the work that, at the level that the work is being performed this substantially increases the speed at which a decision is made so for example if a person is working on, on, on something and something out of the ordinary comes up or something abnormal, he stops and he asks a question. That causes other people to stop and, and wait for that question to be answered. And this creates a never-ending cycle of people stopping work and waiting for that answer. And that answer, maybe the manager doesn't know it and he's gotta ask his manager. And he's got to ask his manager and then it goes up the chain and then a committee is formed to solve it I mean it it's a silly example. I get it, but but it, it's that thought process of, of Having to stop work to ask a question and for the most part I would argue that the majority of the time that person knows how to solve that problem And so giving him the responsibility and authority to do that is, is beneficial Yes. Uh, in my experience, the decision, the very a decision, is based out of fear. So, like, how would you uh, confront or help other leaders be able to talk through that fear of making a decision, knowing that it might not be the right? Yes. Yes. And and, and I think it, it it requires training and education to give the people what they need, the skills. And it may maybe there's more people that need to show up. Maybe, you know. If something comes up, here's the guy that I call that helps me to decide how to make this decision. Whatever it is, it's that it may drive um, implementing this may drive you know additional training and education to get people to to comply with that. But it's it's a scary thing, right? Um, but I, but I think that you get so much more advantage from doing it this way than uh, uh, than not. Um, and, and, and here, here's the point. We, we want a workforce that, and in ministry, that has the responsibility and the tools and the education to, to go do work and to get out of the thought process of, of you know, I, I need to go ask somebody if, it, if it's okay to do this. SpaceX is a good example of this. And I'm, I'm not sure how many of you know of SpaceX or have heard of SpaceX. Um, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, it's relatively a new company in the aerospace industry. Um, they, are, they have been a disruptor. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Um, it, it's, it's interesting how, um, uh, and some of that's been really good. They have changed uh, a lot of the culture and, and changed competition, uh, uh, how we compete against each other. Uh, it's, they've changed the customer. Um, and their viewpoints on things uh, and some of that's been very good uh, and, and some of it um, Maybe because we're a competitor m- maybe not so good But the, the one thing that, that people even in industry they you talk about SpaceX and, and people will tell you Wow, they, they must have great technology Because they have done some amazing things in a very short period of time So their technology must be better than than anybody's like they've developed warp speed or something, right? <laughs> They, they They are not a technology company their their engines that they fly on the Falcon 9 heavy lift uh, were designed in the 1950s uh, SpaceX is not a, a technology company. What they do better than anybody in the industry is they can build complex highly integrated machines launch vehicles satellites faster than anybody they understand that Time is their most important commodity. You can't add time. You can't make up time. When time passes, it's gone. And so they are ultra-focused on time. Here's an example. If you're a SpaceX employee and you're working on your product and, and you, you find a way to reduce the time to build that, maybe, by, maybe I need additional tooling to, to prop up here, or, or maybe I need some electrical ground support equipment or something that I need to go buy to, and that's going to really shorten the time for me to produce my product. If you find that, you, you go do it. You go purchase it and, and you go implement it. You have, they align the authority and the responsibility at the, where the work is being done. And so you just go do. This is wildly different at Lockheed Martin. <laughs> The company that I work for that that they in order to do something like that you'd have to create a business case you'd have to create you'd have to ask your manager and is convince the managers manager the finance director has got to get involved I mean it would be an enormous amount of time and effort to implement change on on the vehicle um, so yeah they're very good at um, uh, if, if, at SpaceX, if, if you can find a way to reduce the time, you just go do it. It's powerful to the company, and it's powerful for that individual, for that employee, to have that responsibility. Yes?
1: How much of that do you think is a result of like the organizational vision being clear to that individual designer, whereas in the case of Lockheed Martin, it sounds like the individual designer is not clear on what the organizational like vision would be, so you have to pass it up to the people who would quote, unquote, establish such a vision, whereas SpaceX might be ahead, establishing their vision at the first step and then letting people execute the vision.
0: I don't know if it's so much vision, I would change that word a little bit to, SpaceX never wants to be in a position where they gotta call a meeting or form a committee to make a decision. So what that drives is that guy working on that, he's gotta have what he needs to go do. And so it, it, it cha- changes the organization and drives the organization differently uh, because that's their mindset. <clears throat> Where at Lockheed, uh, bang on my company a little bit, it, it is, it, it, th- those, those, those things are set up at Lockheed for a reason, but a lot of it is out of fear. I, I, don't, I don't trust that guy to make the right decision. So. So I'm gonna put uh, something up there to, to stop him from, from going off the cliff.
2: So, do you know what happens at SpaceX if somebody executes a, a decision that they feel is gonna make things more efficient and
0: it fails? Yeah, I, I don't, I can only imagine. I, I think they're, yeah, they're... they're <clears throat> <laughs> I think the consequences are probably... Um, steeper than than uh than maybe at other companies I, I'm, I'm not quite sure
2: because part of that is having the trust in your decision maker yes. to make the right decision yes so they obviously put a lot of value in developing that trust or or ensuring they have a measure of unreasonable doubt that or reasonable doubt that that person's going to make a good decision
0: that, that's right and, and and what they have found and i think this is why they do this it, what they have found is more cases than not it works people want that responsibility they want that and and they go do and and it's empowering and and it is it's exciting and so people are engaged you know it's not you know sit back in my chair oh go talk to that guy right i own
2: it also i also would guess that there's some intrinsic value to that person coming up with a more efficient method
0: totally totally that person is motivated and excited to go do
1: We can joke about getting removed from the the position, but as soon as that happens one time at SpaceX, don't you think everybody's going to see that and be like, "I, I, I can't make that decision. So there has to be some sort of, you made a good decision, you did your best, and here's what we did wrong.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I think there's, there's lessons learned, right? I, I don't think any decision or any mistake that, that an employee would make is going to be catastrophic, right? Hopefully, and I think the majority of the time, it is it is oh man, that that hurt a little bit. I, I'm going to try to do it this way, right? So there are consequences for that, but I think there's there's probably more learning and 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 growth in that than than the downside of that. Yes.
1: Maybe you're gonna to get to this, but
0: so how how do you teach people in a maybe a congregational setting where it's always been by committee to be yeah. like, no, go ahead and buy the paper plate. Yeah.
1: It's like you don't have to come talk <laughs> to us. <this. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> like you know, or feel free to move
0: that decoration to somewhere else. Um, so like how do you because I think it's people are so used to that. Yes. Used to having it so how do you get those people to be like Yeah. I'm not sure I'm, I'm gonna be able to, so really, you're, you're my straight man because that's my next slide. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but I'm not sure I'm gonna answer it as well, okay. uh, but, but, uh, but I'll, I'm gonna try okay. here in a little bit. Uh, if, on industry, or do you want to talk about industry? Industry? Uh, in industry, okay. there, it goes for both. Okay. Um, you know, when you empower those individuals to make those decisions, you need to establish some sort of feedback loop that once they make that decision, was that the right call down the road? Um, and if
2: not, they need to be—you know—they need to be given that information that you know next time. Try going about
0: it this way, or looking at it this view. Uh, and without that feedback from the stakeholders that are impacted by that decision, um, you'll just start the snowball effect sure. going down the wrong road uh, of what the company's or congregation's
2: mission and goal is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree. Um what I think what we've learned is is it's it is you know once you establish that authority and you give that those people that permission to do that I, I like your point of, of you, you got, as a leader and a manager you got to be aware of, of what your team's working on and how they're doing it um, I, I would hesitate to put a formal feedback loop in um, just because I don't want people, you know, worried about the feedback, I want people to go do. And, and so eventually, if something, if the decision was made, and you get down the, the road aways, oh my gosh, why did that happen? You can trace that back um, to that decision. I think that may, maybe, I, I don't know, uh, a, might be a better way to look at it. Uh, but, but I agree, there's got to be some sort of a um, monitor there. It's not, it's not, hey, just go do. I, I don't care, you know, just go do, right? It's, it's more than that. But it's just that thought process of getting out of the, hey, I gotta go ask.
2: I think there's a real fine line here. uh, And because we're talking about leadership, you're talking about the people who are leaders for them to make the decisions. For a lay person to make the decision on some $50,000 purchase, uh, that can never happen. Right. It would have to be the leader can make the decision. And that's what I think you're saying. Because we're all, we're all sitting here going, well, in the ministry, we make no decisions. All of them are a committee except the leader can make a decision. And I think that's what
0: you're like. Well, let, let, let me try ministry here. It, it, I know there's a bunch of questions. But, so I've got one more slide. We'll talk ministry, and then we'll, maybe we can circle back. So from a ministry standpoint, the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is um, time's important. Time's important to what we're doing. Um, uh, when time passes right we, we have the charter to spread the Word of God as best we can we need to do that now uh, uh, and, and, and not wait um, uh, and, and I believe that we can reach far more people uh, with a more lay led ministry and not having all the decisions to be made by by a few or, or a pastor uh, how many times have you heard this phrase well let's see what the pastor thinks um, the church council makes that decision. Having to stop our ministry to go check in with a few leaders um, is not enabling a, a lay-led uh, ministry. Um, this may drive. Um, uh, th- this may drive additional training. It may drive education. It may drive a, a different thought process uh, with, with, with our ministry. But it is that idea is if you want to do outreach and you see a way to go outreach, go do outreach, go do it. If, if, if you see a way to serve your brothers and sisters, go, go serve them. Um, again, it's that thought process of, of trying to go do and not having to uh, ask or pause what we're doing to make sure we're doing it right. The argument is I think we're going to do it right more often than not. And, and, and so better to just go do that than to uh, limit our, our, our ministry.
2: In my path, just, I think that if there's some major change of focus or something, that maybe that, that is something you want to do as a, as a larger group. But on like your paper plate example, like there's some simple decisions, like
0: those oh, should never yes.
2: come. Like Or if you're on the... Uh, evangel- or a evangelist committee, whatever. Yes. You're planning events
0: it doesn't need approval. You get yes. your group. Yes. You yes. But if it's,
2: I, I struggle with this one where if it's like, like maybe a bit a little bigger change of direction, that you know what you may want, because <laughs> you run into situations where I, I may offend somebody, but because I'm doing something sure. this other way, or I'm, <clears throat> you know, someday at our church, are so like they going through and cleaning closets so out? It's like, you
0: no, know, well, they'll ask around, but it's like, what, no. Why'd you do that? Insane. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, don't, I gave this to this church 50 years ago. Right. I'm gonna be all upset because now you do
2: it.
0: Yes. But we're not used to it. We're, yeah. You know, yeah, no, the, you bring up some good points. You bring up some good points. I think it, the, the, what, what I'm trying to communicate is, is that I think committees, and this kind of came up in the last session, committees are not bad. You want an evangelism committee? You want to strategize on how we're going to go, go do that? Uh, form a committee and getting people involved? I think, that, think that's really good. And having them empowered to, to go and do. Yes, yes, yes. And not, but if a decision comes up, right, Not well, well, better form a committee in order to make the decision. No, you, that,
2: that, your team is doing it. Yes. And you're, and you're empowered to do that. To do here's that. the resources you have to do it. I don't, you don't have to come back like evangelism committee. You've got a $1,000 budget. Yeah. You don't have to
0: come back to this every time to say, here's how I'm gonna spend it. Right. No, that's yours. Yes, that's right. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. Yes? So the
2: challenge with what he just mentioned is, you have to teach, coach, and mentor the committee members or the committee chair, whatever it might be, that they can do that. Yes. And that you have their back. Yes. They have to know what the- You got it. You have yes. to know what the- So
0: somebody says, well, why'd you sell that out, right, as a leader? I say, that we're empowered to do that. That's right. We gave people much better. You know, you are taking that responsibility uh, of that team, right? And, and, and you got to provide that top cover, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. To those people, right? Yeah. 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 That's well said. There's another question. Yes. So I think our
1: committees, we, we, I'm, I'm working with a number of them on <laughs> big project. A lot of times we throw people on a committee because we want them to, show, to have involvement. Yes. We don't put our SMEs, our subject matter experts, in those groups, Yes. and they just come unprepared, and they think, well, we'll make the decision, we'll do the research, we'll do the work, but we're in the committee. We forget that as a leader, it's our job to not only empower, but also drive the process of, we come to the meeting with the answers, we may have three or four, but we're going to discuss the best one for our ministry, and how we're going to move forward to solve the problem. We don't solve the problem in committee. You got it. We use the committee to communicate the solutions yes. and Report Because at the end of the day, we get paid to make decisions, all right? And, and, and the higher up you go, the value of those decisions are going to make or break whatever happens. And So you're the gatekeeper, in essence. And if you're not the gatekeeper to make the decision, to make the choice. You're the gatekeeper to make sure that all the viable answers are on the table so that you can have a healthy discussion the body of Christ. Four or five. And your ministry can move forward based on the needs of your people. And hopefully you're putting those people in place and they have a healthy understanding of God's word so that they can help, like like we talked about in our opening devotion yesterday, to support the work so that it doesn't rest on one person's shoulder. They can share the benefits of the decision and they can move ministry forward. And this is what Elon Musk does. He interviews all his SpaceX employees and he asks them, after about five minutes of them, sorry, little little BS and you know because they'll do that right he finally says so what did you screw up what did you mess up tell me a failure and and, if they can't they they didn't know that project in the first place they're just talking about someone else's success yeah he makes sure that they own and understand the the risk that's there the failure that results and that they're learning from it yeah it's not that you fail it's before you pull yourself off the ground check to make sure you, you find out what you tripped over collect your thoughts get back up yep. and do it again that's the measure of learning we, we tend to fire people for their failures and we we try to hire them for their successes in reality we got to understand that their failures are a moment for our group to grow and learn and they need to know that they can fail in an environment that's nurtured by the grace of god as forgiveness and and we model christ because it's the subject field all the time yeah Yeah, and he's still getting charge of the church. Yeah, and we're doing it still to this day. So we have to understand there's that measure of grace, and we we just carry that responsibility in our ministry and all that love that Christ showed us. But then surround ourselves with people that help help make that ministry happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's well said. You know, I really liked in the uh, uh, in the the sessions the first keynote. Right, they had a they had a support partner. Right, You, you could be my support partner. And we could be up here, because I liked what you said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so one more slide, and we, and we get to questions. Uh, so again, talked about leadership. We went through this. Uh, try to hopefully you got something out of it from an industry as well as a ministry influencing others. Um, sometimes that's easier in ministry than than in industry. That servant attitude that is kind of foreign in in industry, but it can be very powerful, and then just how we make decisions, losing those skills. Um, so again, I appreciate uh, just a couple pictures. Uh, if you know Earl Trepto at the seminary, uh, it's a younger version of Earl. And then uh, Pastor Krause, that's another uh, uh, younger version of Pastor Krause as well. So uh, that is what I have. Any other questions? All right, good discussion. I appreciate that, thank you.